through OKRs, they've managed to essentially motivate their staff to essentially uh, figure out what, what new processes can we implement. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Good evening, everyone. It's my pleasure to welcome Martin Voynikov to today's session. Martin, very well welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Perfect. You practice your Swiss German. So you are the director of product at GTM Hub, an OKR software for missions that matter, as you describe yourself. And that's exactly the topic that we're going to cover today. We're going to talk about OKRs and also goal setting in general for startups. And, you know, maybe just to start off this session, what are OKRs? How would you actually describe them? What do they mean? Yeah. So let's, uh, let's first off start with the acronym. It stands for Objectives and Key Results. Um, objective, objectives are qualitative goals. They're usually very aspirational. And then the key results are measurable. Um, so if we, if we can take an example, uh, if your objective is to uh, lose weight, then you might have a key result that is uh, lose, let's say, five kilos. Um, and then your daily calorie intake to be, let's say, up to, 20, uh, up to 2,000 calories. Got it. And then from that on, you'll basically also come up with tasks about what you need to do in order to get to that key result, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that might be uh, go to the groceries and buy something healthy and so on. Um, but actually, there's there's more. There's also KPIs that uh, you can use alongside the OKRs and the tasks. And for example, those can be, you know, your average uh, daily heart rate. It's not something that you can improve, right? Because you cannot, you don't want to bring it down to zero. Um, but it's something that you should uh, monitor. Got it. And you you worked with OKRs and you also read a lot about other companies actually using that system. Can you give us a quick rundown about who actually uses OKRs in their daily businesses? I think there are some pretty famous names that use that system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so actually we have, we have clients of all sizes um, from one person that bought three different accounts for one for his company, one for his personal life, and one for the life of a friend. Um, we have uh, SMEs, for example, one company that grows organic pumpkins in California. Um, and we have the huge enterprises such as BlackRock, Nike, Adobe, and so on. Got it. And you know, OKRs, they are often also hyped and seen as a a solution for all the different challenges and problems you might have as a company. Are there any cool success stories that you can share where a company that didn't use OKRs before then introduced that to the organization and how it changed for the better, the positive effect of OKRs? Is there any cool success story that you can share with us today? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I cannot share the name of the company because they, they asked specifically not to share it. Because sure. that that so OKRs have already become a competitive advantage in in many industries. Um, so the the story of this company goes like this: um, they are actually a, a manufacturing company, um, very old school. They've existed for at least fifty years. Um, their output is a commodity, um, 
And basically through OKRs, they've managed to essentially motivate their staff, uh, which was used to the old ways of, of doing things to essentially uh, figure out what, what new processes can we implement or what are new products, even new markets that we can tackle. Um, and they have also used tasks to, um, to basically achieve operational excellence. What they've essentially done is um, they've, uh, they've set OKRs and each week they gather to review the tasks for the upcoming week and what has been achieved in the past week. And so those types of meetings, you know, they, they force you to take action on things. Got it. We're going to talk about the actual implementation in a second because I'm very keen on learning more about that. But you also mentioned some very big names like Nike or BlackRock, for example. So these are big organizations. Are OKRs actually also a good fit for startups or are startups too small to work with OKRs? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I can, share, I can share some of the reasons why the big corporates would buy an OKR tool and why they would implement OKRs in the first place. And uh, the main thing is that people know what's going on um, around, the, around the company. They, don't, they know um, what everyone is working on. They know what progress they've made and so on. Um, and in a startup, when you are, let's say, five people sitting in one room, uh, you know, that's uh, practically redundant. Nonetheless, um, you know, if you think about OKRs, um, alignment and the whole, the whole concept of uh, strategy meeting execution is also applicable to small companies. So um, let's say that, uh, Sylvan, you and I start a company um, and you're my CEO. Ideally, you want to you wanna have some targets set for myself where we discuss everything. Um, I update you on a, on a weekly basis and so on. And that, that essentially becomes a, a focal point where we can have a conversation um, each week. And, um, you know, sometimes that, that's not trivial. Um, you know, uh, probably both you and I have friends that are startup founders and uh, the basically the conversations with your co-founders are sometimes tricky. You cannot really tell them, you know, you should really improve this or that. Um, but um, having, a, having a talk about strategy, um, you know, could help a great deal and OKRs can be a trigger for that, right? Let's implement OKRs. Let's talk about our strategy. What, what are the things that we should improve? You know, many, many times OKRs can help, uh, for example, with uh, uh, basically directing the product development efforts um, into the most uh, fruitful things. Got it. So just a quick shout out here to everybody listening or watching this. If you do have any questions, please add them in the comments so we can actually address them. This is a live stream. So if you do want to ask Martin anything about OKRs and how to implement them and getting started, this is the moment, this is the time where you can actually ask these questions. And up next, we're actually going to focus on exactly that, getting started with OKRs. So before I actually start you know, implementing OKRs in my company, I probably need to have some other things in order before I can tackle the OKR challenge itself. So what do I need to have in place before I can actually get started working or implementing OKRs at my company? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Sivan. Um, <clears throat> so let's think of OKRs as, the, as a tool that can help you get somewhere. Um, but you should know what that somewhere uh, means, you know? Uh, so you should have a you know, a pretty good idea of your mission, vision, and so on. 
Um, and you should use the OKRs to, uh, to essentially make progress each quarter uh, mm -hmm. to get to that vision or mission. Fair point. Maybe just to also briefly state that here, mission and vision, this is something that gets often also a bit confused. How would you define that to make it super clear for everybody listening to that? So what's the mission, mission of a company and what's the vision of a company? Yeah, so, well, there might be conflicting opinions. For me, the, the vision um, is uh, about us, you know, what, what do we become in, let's say, 10 years? Uh, the mission is the, the most important part here, which is what purpose do we serve? Um, you know, in our case, we want to help companies be successful. Got it. We also recently discovered a really cool Twitter thread about that, uh, where a guy explained mission, vision, and so on, based on the Ocean's Eleven uh, saga, basically. And he did that in a very fun uh, matter. And happy to forward that link to anyone uh, listening or watching this, because this is like one of the best summaries that we found out there. And uh, I think that can help anyone who might be a bit confused about these different terms. Okay, so let's say now in our company, we have the mission, we have the vision in place. We're clear about where we want to go and why we do what we do while we exist. So where do I now start if I want to introduce OKRs to my company? What's the first starting point? Yeah, so uh, let's, uh, let's assume that you and I are co-founders. You're, you're the CTO or CEO, sorry. Um, you, should, uh, you should set some OKRs for, for the company. Um, you know, something like, let's, uh, for example, raise 150K seed round or something along those lines. Um, ideally, those will be outcomes, outcomes that will drive us closer to our mission and vision. And then um, the best practice, at least with OKRs, is um, to have everyone contribute to your OKR. So, for example, if I am the, the CPO, um, you know, I'll have... Uh, some ideas around what do we need to do with our product uh, or service um, in order to, uh, for example, reach a particular revenue threshold that will help us uh, raise our seed round. Got it. So you would recommend to set an OKR for every department that you have basically in your company. So for the sales department, for the tech department, for probably also the customer success department. So every department that is part of your company should have at least one OKR that you said. Is that correct? Um, yeah, that that is correct. Sometimes we might we might think of, for example, accounting as a <laughs> as a department that shouldn't get too creative, right? <laughs> but but um, they can they can have OKRs as well. Um, you know, something along the lines of everything is delivered on target and right. budgets are done by this and this date and so on. So yes, everyone ideally should have uh, OKRs. Um, and that's also true for the individuals in those teams. Um, of course, that depends on the on the size of the teams themselves. Sometimes we see, and I'm sure this is uh, this is part of your next questions. Uh, should uh, should teams own OKRs or should it be individuals? Um, I, I think generally, um, individuals should own OKRs, but sometimes, you know, it might make sense that there is a team objective um, and individuals own the key results. Got it. So then you basically break that down, right? So you have the organizational overview where you say, this is where we want to go as a company. And then you break that down for the different departments in different OKRs. And then you have 
people responsible for one specific OKR? Because I can imagine if you have multiple people or just one team responsible for the whole OKR, then it's also a bit like nobody's responsible. Yeah, exactly. Do you know of a task that, that has been owned by more than two people and it's done? Forget it. It's not going to get done. Right. Everybody thinks the other person is doing it. Exactly. Got it. And how do you actually set the right OKR? I mean, is that given to you by, by your boss, basically, by the founders, or is the team involved in that process? How do you actually define the OKRs? Uh, yeah, that's another great question. So in your case, because uh, you're our CEO, um, you have the choice. You can either set the OKR yourself or we can do a, you know probably a strategy session all together with all of our C-level uh, teammates and decide what's a great OKR. Um, if we talk about you know the, the whole organization, um, it really depends, uh, first of all, on the people, second of all, culture processes and so on. Usually the, the best practice is um, to, to have an approach of meet me in the middle, which means you set your OKR and you ask uh, you know, your team or the people that are reporting to you to um, suggest ways, how, how, how are they going to help you meet that OKR? Yep, makes sense. And in terms of you know, setting the right OKR, um, I heard there are also quite some uh, ambitions that are involved there. So what actually makes a good OKR? Do you have a good example for a good OKR and an example for a bad OKR? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Um, so yes, first of all, as you mentioned, um, OKRs are supposed to be stretched. Um, and some companies use only stretched OKR. Some companies use actually committed OKR. So you commit to reaching the OKR at 100%. For example, that might be a good idea for the accounting team. But for the revenue team, uh, ideally, you stretch their, their goals, right? So you, you want to have more, more sales. Um, and usually, 70% is considered good. Yeah. So some say 70% is the new 100%. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really how you, how you define it. Um, <clears throat> You know, there's a there's a famous example of uh, in the book of John Doerr how YouTube uh, got to the I, I don't remember but probably 200 million or two billion um, viewers, um, and um, usually a good OKR is is one where the objective is aspirational, um, the key results are are measurable and their outcomes. Um, a bad OKR is an objective that is mediocre in nature um, and key results that are either tasks or that are not actionable. Um, I, I'm going to start this with an example of a, of a bad OKR. <clears throat> Let's say that uh, our objective of uh, our company is to, to be the best. Um, you know, it doesn't tell us a lot per se and then uh, the key results would be to have uh, 200 meetings uh, for the year and, uh, I don't know, uh, recruit 100 people. You know, that's, um, um, to, to some might, might sound a, as, a, as a good OKR because, you know, we should hire, we should grow. But, you know, the OKR as a, as a package doesn't tell us much. Uh, there's nothing 
in there that is going to drive the business forward. And what would be an example of a good, a much better OKR to set as a company? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I, I want to call out uh, something great that, that we did at GTM Hub. There's a, there's a free marketplace for OKRs that uh, you can browse. Uh, it's at, it's marketplace.gtmhub.com. There's many examples of OKRs by the different functions nice. and, and for different company stages. Uh, so yeah, don't, don't trust what I'm, what I'm saying right now because it, it's going to be top of mind. You should definitely uh, look out there for, for good examples. Um, but uh, yeah, let's, let's take, uh, take a good one for our company, Sylvan. So um, let's say that um, we want to be the best in terms of product. Okay. Um, a good objective would be, you know, be the category leader. Um, and then the, the key results could be, uh, first of all, have an MPS of plus 50. Um, then uh, let's say have 100 uh, five-star reviews on the app stores. Um, and lastly, um, let's think about it. Um, probably it could be something about the, the performance of the team. Let's say um, launch a new feature each month, you know? Right, yeah. And and uh, that that last key result, we can talk about it. Um, some might <laughs> say it's, it's just output, it's not outcomes. But, uh, you know, if you, if you tie it to another key result, which is, or another OKR, sorry, uh, which is going to be, you know, zero bugs introduced, all new features have, uh, let's say, a customer effort score of five, um, well, a hundred. Um, and uh, I don't know, let's say every new feature is delivered um, with some fancy name for, for product marketing, then uh, you're basically counterbalancing things. And that's, uh, that's another benefit of OKRs. Makes sense. I remember we also like, we don't have a very specific system of using OKRs, but we also use them at Swisspinner. We do all of that like pro bono. So this is our free time that we invest in, in Swisspinner and the association. Nice. But we also said, um, when we actually introduced that for the first time, we said our company's OKR, we said, this is our clear goal for the next quarter and then broke that down into different departments. So then every department and actually every head of the department was responsible for the delivery broke down the company OKR into their own OKR that they were fully responsible for. So our main driver is always how many listeners do we have in the podcast? And then one uh, OKR was, for example, for the operations team to launch a bonus series to have more content out there so we could actually hit that goal. So then you could actually have the, the key result is having release five bonus episodes within the next month, for example. So then we all broke that down. And also for the marketing team, then he said, for example, um, test out a new acquisition strategy and uh, actually have like 100 uh, reviews, as you said, on the Apple podcast, because that also boosts your listens or try out to drive traffic to your website to then increase the podcast place by 10%, whatever that might be. And we also said that very ambitious OKR at first, and we all thought this is like super unrealistic that we will ever get there. But hey, let's go for it. We we want to shoot for the stars, right? And then actually within the first quarter, we actually hit and over, actually overreached the target and we were all like going crazy. 
And this is such a cool experience as a team to go through that and say, hey, this is our very ambitious goal. We set the bar super high. And if we then actually hit it or even over uh, achieve the target, then this is just such a great win and victory for the whole team. And they all feel like amazing. And I still realize these conversations that we have. Then we looked back and we just realized we just did the, the thing that we thought was impossible three months ago. And I think this setting the bar high and always aiming higher and, and aiming faster and higher, this is something that is really cool for any team to deliver top performance. So in that regard, our own OKR experience has been very positive and uh, I can really recommend to, to think about how you can implement it at your company. <laughs> nice. Well done. Well done. I mean, it's also, you know, we have a very cool team to make that happen. So kudos to the whole team for making it happen. But uh, it was just very surprising for us that it worked that well and uh, we never went back since. So we already talked a bit about who owns an objective or an OKR. Um, you said a person has to actually own it. Are there also situations where you say, a team or the whole company should actually own it and then you break down the key results or how would you recommend to go about that? Um, yeah, when it comes to the company, I think the the main company objectives should be owned by the company, right? And then the different key results should be owned by individuals that should be driving them. Yeah. Makes sense. And another key question that often gets asked about OKRs is how many do you actually need? I mean, Maybe that also depends a bit on the amount of departments that you have, but the, the goal of the OKR is actually to focus your teams and make sure that you can really move the needle in the timeline that you set for your OKR, right? So how many is too little? How many is too much? Is there any certain amount of right number of OKRs? What would you recommend there? Yeah, so actually there's uh, there's two distinctions that we should have. One is you know, how many key results should you have in your objective and how many objectives should you have? Um, <clears throat> starting off with the first one, um, we actually uh, looked at the numbers um, in GTM Hub. So um, I ran some, some statistical analysis on what are the most, um, most successful objectives. And uh, they're the ones that have um, up to four key results between two and four key results. Yep. Makes sense. So, um, you know, this is, this is a hard recommendation that I give. <clears throat> and then when it comes to the number of OKRs, um, that, uh, that really depends usually for an individual up to two OKRs, uh, you know, three is, a, basically means that you're not going to achieve any of them. Um, for a, for a team, you know, depending if the team is is big enough, you might want to accommodate three uh, objectives. But to me, that sounds already a stretch. Um, two objectives for a team, though, seems uh, seems manageable. Before we continue with the show, we would like to introduce you to our new partner, Nuco. Nuco helps founders navigate the paperwork that starting a company involves. From the first consultation all the way to the commercial register, Nuco has helped more than 900 entrepreneurs start their company, and they do so at highly competitive prices. To find out more, visit nuco.ch swisspreneur. Again, that's nuco.ch swisspreneur. And now, on with the show. Yeah, I, I can really just uh, 
re-emphasize what you just said. For us, it's always three key results that we want to define, but only have one OKR per person per timeline, because otherwise uh, we feel that there's too much distraction going on. And I, th I think that you really want to have that focus and want to get focused. And if you have more than, it's, it's very simple math, right? If you have two OKRs per person, then you are only going to have to split your time by half. So only 50% can be worked on, on one OKR and the other 50% on the second one. However, you have, if you have just one OKR, you, you dedicate your full time to just that one specific OKR. And most likely you will also get much more done if you focus on one thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there, there is something uh, that I wanted to add here. Sure. Uh, and that is, <clears throat> you know, sometimes, um, especially for, for product and, and technology delivery teams, um, it might be a good idea to have one OKR that is specifically around the outcome. Um, and that would mean, for example, in our case, getting those 100 reviews on the Apple podcast and so on. Mm -hmm. um, and you might want to have an OKR around the, the speed because speed is often a problem, um, especially in the early days, you know, sometimes um, when you get new engineers, they start working on something, they, they don't release, let's say, for two months. Uh, that's a problem. Yeah. So you might want to have a second OKR that is about, you know, the speed of delivery, um, you know, release every week. And then, as, as we mentioned, countermeasure that with an OKR about outcomes and quality. That's a great recommendation. So then you, you have, like, multiple areas that you cover and make sure that they work well together. So you are not only focusing on one, but actually on the combination that is very good for the company overall. Yeah, exactly. I like that a lot. We also talked about that without actually calling it that way, but I like naturally said we have quarterly OKRs at Swisspreneur. Is the quarterly pace something you would recommend or is there another time frame that makes more sense? Yeah, that's, a, that's another great question. <laughs> um... We've seen clients use um, also monthly OKRs, especially when COVID hit, you know, you, when you want to have a very fast change. Um, yeah. Quarterly is probably not uh, not the way to go. Um, you know, hopefully there's not going to be any, any more COVIDs in this world. Um, but, uh, you know, outcomes or circumstances change for companies. Um, and, you know, monthly is probably the the lowest time frame that you might have. The, the vast majority is using quarterly OKRs that tie to an annual OKR that might tie to, a, let's say, a three-year plan. Right, got it. Yeah, also from our experience, quarterly works well because then people don't forget about the goals, the OKRs that you set, because if it's longer than a quarter, you know, people tend to think, oh, I can still work on that later down the road. I still have enough time and then often forget <laughs> about it. But monthly, in our case, at least, was a bit too short because then you cannot really move the needle because we're all working part-time and in our free time for Swisspreneur. So this is basically not the right setup, but depending on your setup and your company, monthly might also work. Uh, but for us, it was a clear choice to go for, for the quarterly objectives. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's my, there might be people saying, well, guys, in a quarter, there's no way I can deliver results. Um, right. Yeah. Which is, which is fair. Um, in that case, what I what I advise, you know, the, the people that I talk to is still have those quarterly OKRs um, and set some milestones. Um, and then you can transfer those OKRs to, let's say, the next quarter. 
and th that's very applicable for once again for software development teams you know right hardly you can uh you know set you know uh, analyze a problem um set the targets think through how to reach them develop something ship it then see the change that's uh, that's a lot to to ask for in in a quarter right. um, but if you structure the okrs in a way that you either um, set the milestones or set the ground for the next quarter um, or transfer the OKR, then uh, you're in a good place. Yeah, makes sense. That's actually a very important point I also wanted to talk to you about. You now said it's okay to also transfer an OKR from one quarter to the next. Are you also allowed to change the OKRs during the quarter if you set them for a, a quarterly period? Yeah, that's another great question. Um, <clears throat> I think people uh, get very, you know, blindsided by by the rules of the OKR methodology, which are, there are not that many. Um, it's actually a very, very loose framework. And um, the OKR should reflect the, you know, the most important thing that uh, you're working on at the moment and your goals. So let's say if your goals change, um, you know, we started working on feature X, but uh, we to whatever feedback we discovered that feature Y is the most important thing that we should be working on, our OKR for feature X should change to an OKR for feature Y as soon as you know we discover the change. Uh, uh, there's a quote by Mark Andreessen comes to mind. I think he said, strong opinions loosely held. So exactly. you need to have a very strong opinion about where you want to go and be super clear about that but also smart enough that if the circumstances, the world around you changes, that you can adapt and don't just focus on that specific goal because you set it two months ago and it doesn't make sense anymore. I think yeah. that's a, yeah, a good summary of, of that point. So the other question here is basically, how often do you actually check the OKRs? Is there any way that you then, let's say we have the quarterly OKR set, so how do you actually work with them? How often do we check them? How often do we talk and discuss them? What's like the, the right setup here? Um, yes, that's, I don't know. I have, all of your questions are great. Um, <laughs> um, so basically there's a, there's a caveat to, uh, to that question. Um, and that is um, in order for OKRs to, to really work and to, to take, out, take off at your company, um, you want to build a habit and have some ceremonies around it. Um, so your your uh, cadences of review should be regular, mm. and um, we we see clients um, using mostly weekly reviews, um, and um, you know they're they're probably the best. Um, some clients are using biweekly reviews, mm. which you know uh, makes sense depending on the on the nature of your team's work, um, and. Uh, you know, the biggest time frame for a cadence that we see is, is monthly. Um, <clears throat> where basically, um, for example, the, you know, the VPs or SVPs in a large organization, they, they ideally want to have a monthly update on the major initiatives because they don't care about the, you know, the weekly updates. There's nothing major that can happen in a week time, right? For, for them. Um, but for for most people, weekly is the is the way to go. And how does that actually look like? So, how do you check in on your OKRs on a weekly basis? What do you do? Do you take a meeting? Do you write a written update? 
how does that look like? Because I have no clue how you would uh, recommend others to do that. Yeah, well, uh, this is actually something that I learned from our clients um, and, and also from our internal experience of using OKRs. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty much a waste of time if you uh, jump on a call each week at 10 a.m. and start updating the OKRs in front of everyone and explaining why, you know, we are at this number or that number. Right. Um, ideally, you should have done that before the meeting. Um, everyone should have a look at the OKRs that are being discussed. Um, and then you should be talking about the next steps uh, mm -hmm. or the things that you haven't achieved and what are your blockers or any learnings that you want to share. Makes sense. In, in that regard, I think they don't really officially call it like OKRs, but we use the Entrepreneurial Operating System, short EOS. They also have like your scorecard and there you have your OKRs defined and, and listed there. You usually update them beforehand. Then you just go through them to bring everybody on the same page, but you don't discuss them. And then when you actually need a meeting, it's to resolve issues or make decisions, but you don't need a meeting to just update each other. That's That can be done beforehand with anybody right. being in separate places. You don't need to waste any precious meeting time for that, but to make decisions, to talk about issues and blockers, that's where it actually makes sense to to meet and to have a, a chat together. So how does that meeting look like? How long does it take? You know, I think you can also call that retrospectives on a weekly basis where you then look at the OKRs. What's the agenda of such a meeting and how long does it usually take? Yeah, well, um, in terms of a time frame, once again, there might be conflicting opinions here because the context might depend. But um, usually, um, you know, two to three minutes per, per person talking about their, their next steps or their blockers and their plans to, you know, to move this OKR forward mm -hmm. uh, is enough. So based on that, you know, if you have a, a team of, let's say, 10, 30 minutes and you're done. Got it. Makes sense. So that's one way to also communicate or check in on the OKRs during the actual execution of them. Is there anything else that you do to communicate and also keep the OKRs in, in the people's heads and minds? Is there anything else that you do on top of these weekly meetings? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a great question. You know, another best practice would be to, and I'm sure most of the companies and most of the people listening here are participating in all hands or town hall meetings each month. You know, so... Uh, bringing everyone up to speed on the company level OKRs on those town hall meetings is a great way to first, you know, show that you're serious about it. And second of all, just align everyone and, and uh, drive the operational excellency upward. Perfect. And, you know, also the tool question, of course, that had to come up. People love tools. They also love uh, to see how they can actually get the support for the execution phase. So are there any tool recommendations for managing and handling uh, OKRs? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I'll probably get fired if I don't recommend GTM. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I really do think that GTM Hub is the, is the best OKR tool. Not because, you know, I'm in the driving seat of building it, but um, because we've, uh, we've just heard from, from the people that choose GTM Hub, uh, what are all the proof points that, that make it the best tool. Um, yeah. I'm going to quickly mention what to look out for mm -hmm. um, when you're choosing an OKR tool. 
Um, and the number one thing is uh, their alignment capabilities. So ideally, you want to have OKRs linked to each other, right? So you have one OKR that, that translates into another one, and then another one, and then another one. Right. Um, having those visual ties, how everything aligns together, um, is uh, immensely valuable, no matter the stage that you're at. Um, because, you know, that helps people organize their thoughts. And, and for you, for example, as a, as a CEO, um, you know how the plan of the company, you know, the plan of your people uh, to, to help you reach your OKR or the company's OKR. Right. We also got two questions in over LinkedIn. Um, I think it's not going to show the name, but it's uh, Selim. Thank you for the question, Selim. Um, he asked, do you recommend having one person managing the framework or should each department manage their own framework? I think that's a very good point to address. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so when it comes to, we call them OKR champions. Uh, those are the internal advocates for the OKR framework to be adopted and, and they usually manage the process. We've seen one person uh, dealing with, uh, you know, a company of, of 100 people managing the process. Um, but um, that's not necessarily, you know, the, the right amount. Um, but probably that's the maximum. And as your organization scales, you should have at least one person per, let's say, 50 other people that uh, manages the process uh, for those departments, teams, or locations, offices. Um, and ideally, those people should be either OKR champions or OKR ambassadors that then report to the OKR champion. Makes sense. Perfect. We also have a question from Igor. Um, I cannot bring it in here, but he asked, should you take action if you see that you don't achieve your OPR or should you just keep on monitoring it and updating, it, updating its status? Yeah, it's a good question um, that uh, needs a, uh, a reply in terms of a question again. Right. You know, if, um, if the OKR is important, then um, you, should, you should keep it and try to, you know, make the most out of this uh, time frame that you have for example, until the end of the quarter, um, then do a retrospective, perhaps with your manager, your team, or with your C-level peers. Um, and then, um, you know, for the next quarter, tackle it in a different way from another direction. Mm -hmm. um, if the OKR is not important though, right? Yeah, we've started working on feature X, we found out that this doesn't make sense. Then uh, probably the, the best thing to do is to put it in, a, in an idea bag or in your whiteboard for your retrospective and just, you know, take it out because it's just clutter. Right. In that regard, I think Igor was also talking about should the OKR system actually influence the way that you work or what you work on, or should it be more of a framework to monitor and track your progress? I think this is a very difficult thing to choose, but maybe you have a hard opinion on that one. Yes, I do. I do. Um, it, it should absolutely influence your work. That, that being said, um, it's, uh, it's also not the other way around that um, you cannot have other work outside of the OKR. What we've seen, you know, in the, in the community is that people say, you know, you should be able to reach your OKR with the 70% of your time and the rest of the 30% you should allocate to, you know, managing people or your daily stuff. So having said that, the OKRs are definitely not uh, a tool for measuring stuff. Um, 
you should use KPIs for that. Makes sense. I like that statement a lot because I think it shows the importance and also the level of OKRs and how to actually work with them. There's a follow-up question by Selim. He also asked, how can you actually prevent OKRs to be delayed like an Outlook calendar message? <laughs> Great comparison. Ah, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, well, one of the things that, uh, that you can do is some, something that I mentioned earlier in our conversation, which is having um, OKRs that are aspirational versus committed ones. So, you know, when you, when you say we commit to having um, 100 reviews this quarter, it means we're going to have 100. And if we don't have 100, then, you know, that, that bears some responsibility for us. Why didn't we do it? Um, you know, we have to look at what did we do um, and so on. So, you know, that, that kind of goes into the, um, not sure if you have that on the question list, but our OKR is a performance management tool for people. Um, the answer is no. So, for example, if you and I commit to those 100 reviews and we don't reach them, that shouldn't impact our, let's say, bonuses or, um, yeah. you know, our performance evaluation. But it should be how we approach the OKR. Um, did we take it serious? Uh, did we have a solid plan to reach it? Um, did we execute on our plan? Yeah, and also in that regard, I think that the weekly or bi-weekly check-ins also really help because if you continuously delay it and you're not making any progress, the other people of your team, if you have a good company culture, will hopefully also put you into the responsibility and say, hey, you didn't deliver. Um, we are almost approaching the end of the quarter. It's now really time to move the needle and get to work in order to make progress there. Because I think uh, as a strong team, you would really take each other into accountability and responsibility to work on the OKRs and make progress. So I think here, by having these weekly or biweekly retrospectives or check-ins to also really be accountable for what you signed up for, what has, has been assigned to you, um, this will really make it very uncomfortable if you just let it slack off. At the end, it's also probably a company culture thing. So if everybody does that, nobody's responsible, you will not... Uh, put work behind your OKRs, nobody will, but if it's just one person or one OKR, then the other team members will actually, uh, we, they will let you know, and they will put some pressure on you. Yes, uh, yes, definitely. That's a good one, Sivan. We should, we should have you in GTM Hub. <laughs> Absolutely. Good, good idea. So I think these were all the questions that I had prepared for you and that the audience had for you today. Maybe just to close that off, if there are not any questions coming in anymore, do you have any last tips for startups getting started with OKRs? Any you know first starting point or anything that you would recommend them to focus on and to keep in mind when starting with OKRs? I would encourage everyone to that is not a user of OKRs yet to think through what, what are the problems that uh, that you have in the organization, especially uh, you know if you have any CEOs or founders in the company. Uh, in the audience, sorry. Um, think through those problems, probably write them down, and then try to figure out OKRs that will help you solve them. If you cannot figure them out, feel free to you know email me, message me on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll gladly help. Um, so that's that's your starting point. Um, of course, if you know that you wanna, uh, you have a mission and, and a clear vision and you know that uh, you have a team that can deliver, they just need some, some focus and some alignment, then 
also start with uh, with OKRs ASAP. Makes sense. I see we also have a, a critical feedback um, here. Thomas says OKRs are just an overhead from his perspective. Um, there, I mean, with our experience at Swissmore, I just very strongly disagree. Um, OKRs gave us a huge boost in terms of productivity and focus. And we're also probably responsible for our laser focus on the growth and actually being able to pull that off. So from our experience, OKRs are not an overhead, but actually a huge enabler for us to focus on the right things and move the needle together with the team pulling in the same direction. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And uh, I also think there's a there's a parallel that we can draw with, for example, Jira and software development or uh, Salesforce and salespeople. You know, if you ask a salesperson, uh, why do I have to log, you know, all my deals and notes and all the emails in, in this tool? It's just an overhead. I, I waste so much time on it. Um, but the VP of sales is, is fucking grateful that, that Salesforce exists. Right. So, so, you know, if you think about OKRs, you can, you can draw the same kind of conclusions. Your, uh, your manager or your CEO is, uh, is actually very happy with OKRs. Yeah. Makes sense. Perfect. I think that's a wrap. Um, no more questions. I asked everything I wanted to know. Martin, thank you so much for taking the time. It was really fascinating and learningful at the same time. So it was a lot of pleasure and fun talking to you today. All the best for the future. And thank you again for taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much as well. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.